Hello, this is Anderson Cooper with MSNBC. We're tuning in live for the State of the Union from your president, Alex Jones. Good evening, folks. Thank you for tuning in to my State of the Union address. As you can tell, we have been sweeping out pedophiles left and right that are aggressively taking over our country. They're killing children! They're killing them! They're talking to the devil and they're killing them! We were sending an economic stimulus package to help out many Silicon Valley businesses. We will be repealing all restrictions of aggressive gun laws in this country. You want to take my guns? Hitler took the card just as danger. <laughs> Technology has ruined, um, I'm going to say, my life. Uh, I work in technology, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, people always come up to me with their app ideas. I don't want to make them. Uh, please stop asking me. It's very. It's never like someone who like could know how to start a business. It's just like someone with a Coke problem. They seem to think that those are synonymous. And they're like, fucking. Oftentimes, it's just a coked-out string of buzzwords. It's not an idea. They're like, here's what we're going to do, bro. Here's what we're going to make. I'm from Boston, by the way. Here's what we're going to make. It's going to have VR. It's going to have AI. It's going to have fucking Snapchat integration. Whole thing will run on Bitcoin. You guys can tell which one's triggered known material, can't you? It's not very – it's the illusion of spontaneity is lost on this. I said, do you even know what Bitcoin is? And he said, yeah, it's the future. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my favorite pitch, though, you know, a lot of the people, they'll be like, it's always Uber for something. And one of them was Uber for car parts. <laughs> I said, what does that even mean? He's like, dude, my car's breaking down. So what we need is Uber for car parts so they can bring that to my side. I don't need no roadside assistance. I, I have a mechanic do it. I fix it on the side of the road. <laughs> they always want to split the profits 50-50, too, and they use this hand gesture. It's actually a uh, legally binding contract in <laughs> South Boston. Uh, you guys should know the regional laws. If you ever visit the city of Boston and someone goes with these, you are signing an NDA, my friend. I tell this guy, I'm like, I don't want to make Uber for car parts. That's dumb. And, he's, and he really says to me, bro, we'll make it happen. I got friends in the Valley. I'm like, you got friends in Silicon Valley? He says, nah, bro, Napa Valley Auto Parts. Uh, my boy is behind the counter. Hypochondriac tries Tinder. I'm a Leo. Swipe left if you're Chinese. All right, take it easy, folks. Kevin Quigley, everyone. Yay, clap it up yourselves. That was the hell hat. Yay. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock is the underwear show. I hope you all stick around to see what happens there. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. We have one more day tomorrow. It starts at 10 in the morning. It goes all the way until 11 o'clock at night. And then it's done. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us tonight on Hell Hat. And stick around for the 10 o'clock show. Oh, I should also tell everybody there's a late night mic at Ireland's that's going to start around midnight. It's on Geary and 3rd Street if you're interested in some late night open micing stuff. Thanks so much for being here. Good night. Yay! Thank <laughs> you.
Defo here, and I'm here to let you know that the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is March 1st through 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the U.S. coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Or if you can't be with us, listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st to 7th for these amazing events. What kind of a future? Law Tigers, we fight for motorcycles. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California Motorcycle Lawyers. Good day, sports offering LLC. Title used under the Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento. Disclaimer, no advisory services.
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special c- podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at Mutiny Radio. FM. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshops, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvement. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke workshop yep every monday 6 to 8 p.m on the mutant radio so you're saying i could tell my jokes every monday from 6 to 8 that's what i'm saying it's the joke workshop mondays 6 to 8 p.m at the mutant radio Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counteroffer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counteroffer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counteroffer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. 
They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports. Vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg. And this is Radio 11. Radio 11. Radio 11. Radio 11. This is Aqua Q. Coming up this hour starts our exploratory precision towards free will, free energy and freedom, in its peculiar circularities as we ponder maths from right to left and counterclockwise up and around the town with which we strategize a brown motionary stirred up in gentle probability, here now is, free will. Oh the free will question, because I choose to write about it. See? The collection of regression is the path of my prior choice, and its continuation is my talent, to my belief which is sufficient, for enjoyment, and that is the nature of the universe. To enjoy is purely the functioning of a returning and totality of a system to carry on in perpetuity, as one would like as it is to be enjoyed. Backspace are marvelous, as an adjunct to a concept which doesn't function and a slight correction is within our powers in the near term, and nears what we have at our disposal, to use that term, which is literally in this case, how we transition a set into another set, using perhaps some of the numbers, signed in their maths, for the functioning of further functions, and as numbers are applied within those functions, the other numbers naturally retain until they are further disposed into other functions. And this carries on, with a conceptual idea that there are always a sufficiency in numbers to proceed in our cycles, and those are for the mind, its ability to take what I just learned as reference to this case, the Markov blanket, which is a warm cuddly covering over a distinct collection, taking care of it, and providing its own body for the set of these numbers. If we were to go back, we may imagine exposing this blanket to the elements of prior bypasses of numbering thus reassigning a similar yet different blanket of numbering, whose reference is now a combination of events as recalled with concurrency of consciousness, and near coupled with the success of our warm blanket prior, we may be inclined to further enjoy the victory, which ought not to diminish, for the time our brains permit an enjoyment without a furthering of development, and this is also within Markov. And so, the free will question comes up at times like these, as evident and the precursor to that thinking is not immediately evident, but I will and will explain the happenstance of the oncoming and forthcoming sparkability, which is a dull drum of free association, and my own, perhaps, questioning as to what is free in association, well the return as in free energy as described by Carl Finston, check, describes both Markov and Auer, how did he phrases it? Well I'd have to look it up, and I will in a second. But we already described how numbers are exchanged and so this should suffice, and you needed worry about me looking it up, and you can provide a time to do so, if that is your desire. But back to free association, and the thinking that surroundings of everything observed for, by and about, coupled with perhaps randomized memory recall, is our natural response to perhaps a question we didn't hear precisely as inaudibly, and that these conversations going on are part of their own numbered set and functioning, and perhaps by participating in the numbering without a pure attentive consciousness, as consciousness goes, 
or lackadaisical free thinking may offhandedly participate in the numbering, when it doesn't offend or affect our concurrency, and even if it does, and you wind up shouting something from the creases of your own brain, well, that is your personal reaction and your behavior of how you deal with information in your runtime state of whatever you are about at that moment. Sounds a bit obtuse, and it is, for the mere fact that you don't have to respond solely for yourself in all events, that is the benefit towards yourself. This brings us to focus, but more specifically at this time, our reasoning to write, which is to operate the functions which function towards enjoyment, and numbers as a side gig, with focus to apply them to working systems. Satisfied is that, for moments, and further moments at a time, until the function is heavy enough to plot, as observed, or simply proceeds in its imaginary non-imagine though accurate by imagination. Graph. It's pointless, aha, to imagine the graph because you're not purely aware of the numbers which will be presented, further allowing you to trigger available functioning systems. So this is fun, isn't it? The crux of course is how free will affects others, and this is how we have it, because it does affect others, and our combined freedoms allow us to provide for ourselves and others as our natural abilities and proclivities proclaim for our justification of our own freedoms, as observed in our continued abilities to be free. Even shackled with an itch on your nose that you wish to scratch, is a scenario where you could think about butterflies, as I did for a moment, to distract perhaps the ish, and thus avoid the inevitable ongoing one to scratch. Scratch. See I scratch my arm because it was a preset trigger, but if I knew then what I know about itches now, I would perhaps find a better solution. Even that thought may incline you to itch a bit, as the bits of communication on your body chatter about what the hell you're talking to it about, and collectively decide to move to the right or up and about and poke particularly on the organ which is your skin, and beneath, where soft tissue and organs may in similar fashion, have gotten some electrics and spin to question and unbalance for a shift. The question now comes to completeness. That is when will this document of recollection and processed formary be finished, and that is to be determined by the body I wish to write, and if I wish to continue on the free will theme, or if I wish now to break into a story, or what precisely I will do after this completeness and how does that progress in the cycles I am both perhaps used to, as not a specific action, but functionally within the near space is available for me to process the spatial numbering which is the all the time. And so, my recall is about, and the word is missing, but it's needles on the skin. And specifically my memory is the ear, and the reason I mention this is because its completeness is when it's no longer comfortable, and in fact obtrusive. And so you might have a memory of how long that is, or you may remember the sensation, and you may do a combination of these, and even imagine a discomfort, and that is actual, and that is still completeness and you may further decide the effects were ineffectual to your desire. Acupuncture is the word, and it's no longer needed, but there it is, written down. Combined with this concurrency of various discomfort, I realize further motion will be required to complete this work, as well as become comfortable, and I do want you to leave with a warm feeling about the presented material facts, and these are part of them and so I share that and preclude to provide what I believe will be needed in the future, while perhaps ignoring the immediacy I so often talk about, which, indicates that while functioning in physics, this may introduce a behavior in yourself, which I am indicating, which is to listen to this podcast until completion, 
and perhaps now you are expecting the completion, and the ish has begun, and more specifically, said to regain your focus, the time at which you hear this messaging is the time our systems have then formed a mantle, with my words, and hence as carefully as I chose, and your time in and about your own functioning brain and etc. That mantle provides for me, my future, our future, choices as in free, as in free energy and thus will footnote this in brief to the Wiren article I read just this morning, about the explorations of Carl Friston, and the direct quote of preponderance, free energy is the difference between the states you expect to be in and the states your sensors tell you that you are in. When you sense you are within something, you are, and the difference, is here, the natural you, allows to proceed to the result which, in expectation, is the precursor to other eventfulness in these functions, or blankets as both Markov and Friston utilize. This explains it to me, and it's a novel use to utilize the remainder towards the benefit of something which already exists, expectation, hence the free nature of this economy, as everything is utilized while motion proceeds. Good. Done. This has been and is still, in motionary and ongoing in spatial cosmistry, a bit from the left off center city by and about the Bay, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, to name a few which are on my mind this November the 10th, in our year of the hindsight, 2020, Aqua QC3W. And this bit is just the bits to remind you to get your figure and figuring together and to and gathered with the dosh to provide for yourself and our environment to displace its paper tie in exchange for your misuse of plastic for the furthering exchange of ideas, and that is the book, A Wizard's Pocket, now unavailable on a slightly alien point of non-existence until you chose and purchase a one or many of, and ignorance is not in fact bliss and only bliss as created will be discovered, and so to further these and ideas, carry on with carrying this book, on your shelves and in, in fact your pocket and pocket books even, a book inside a book, so proceed in any eventfulness, this is AquaQ of AquaQlabs.com with San Francisco's Pisces of Peachy and Lovely Loverly C3W. Freedom is the range of ability to provide free energy, where the ordering is spread evenly across all space-time domains, and regarding observation, as in your collectiveness in one or more sets of space-time. Think about going to the store, and coming home, both time and space events. Questioning goes, if we have total freedom, and its ordering is spread evenly, that is its negentropy is maximized thereby providing a greater immediacy in the return of debt, either in energy or matter, that is the difference between what is expected and allowed is the difference in energy, well that expectation requires consciousness, and so where is choice and freedom? Maximum negentropy would be infinite, and related to a maximum order, or perfectly ordered freedom, well, is not even theoretical, as approaching perfect order, includes entropy in some degree, Adatina observes, and because free energy is available but not always used for work. Choice is the remainder of the unordered freedom, for reasons which it is available but not deliveries as work, instead is pervade as consciousness. It could be said some of this leads to work, hence the power to alter entropy within our domains. So consciousness alters the spin of entropy, and we say spin because it is change over time. 
Note that gentropy is a word, not a negative signed variable. So what are we trying to say here? That our belief perhaps is an ordering of consciousness, which in its domain has the same rules, not coincidentally, as our observer domain, UNI verse, as in a continuity of a single verse, of string of words, as their various vectors as placed by consciousness. So that is how the universe is considered infinite, as our consciousness, as we know ourselves, and our observation of our domain is to alter it, if only by changing entropy, or again the ratio of freedom to choice, or its relationship, not to be confused with a denominator, or division. Infinite entropy, is minimum freedom, therefore non-available free energy, and complete and total choice. I use complete and not infinite, as since there is no available energy, there is no work which can be done as an order in return. So choice is simply on, well we can still say it's infinite, because of its nature to make its first choice, and which choice involves consciousness. This is our paradox. We have available an entirety of choice to then produce energy, thereby causing a motion of entropy which beings at. Let's propose our choice is to move forward, a line or cord, well at more of a minute particle motion, and that particle is now a participant, fact is we have neither matter nor energy. So particle is our placeholder, and defined by our consciousness which chose to move, and movement requires a body, hence the instantaneous creation. Our participant shares now freedom and choice, as all are available, and the ratio is at this point, the relationship between the two, and just what is that? Well it's the choice which the second particle makes, coupled with the now available energy. The above is a little obtuse, as we don't have any requirement to move, as we have infinite choice. So our consciousness just sort of hangs out, without space-time, and this goes on for a non-eternity? That is to say one time becomes a variance of the ratios between freedom and choice, our ability to have simply pure choice is diminished, however freely provided for the space-time which continues as choice and work provide for each other, as is their relationship. This is perhaps our second or similar paradox, where limited choice and limited availability to return work, and as work cannot change the ratio of choice, per se, well as the choice alters the ratio and work is observed, that alters perhaps choice? But observation of work does not alter the ability to provide the energy for work, and neither performing or utilizing free energy can alter the availability of free energy. You can utilize something and alter its ratio, to choice? That's exciting, says choice with all of it and also free energy and a relationship. Let's keep that, he says. For once the relationship exists, a dissolution of the ratio leaves a muck of matter and energy with no allowances for movement, that is stasis, and how just would a conscious choice remove an entirety of stasis, as there is no energy for the bits to move, and as well, one's complete choice, as included in the ratio, is now dumbed down with a portion of consciousness in stasis. So this must mean that choice remains a constant outside of the interrelationship of secondary choice to freedom, where localized choice alters freedom, but then our freedom relates to our outside choice, and so the overall ration remains. This brings us to the sexes, wherein as noted earlier, the perspective, theta, phi, as simultaneous observations of angles of a triangle. And why it's a triangle is simple because it is enclosed. 
with the reasoning that two traveling points will at some time observe each other. Brilliant? So our triangle is conscious, which is in our prior story, then originated at the same point, and in their own perspectives began to move. Now since the interrelationship of their perspectives don't change over time, their velocity remains constant, as a ratio between speed and direction. So while we draw it as a triangle, our male and female counterparts are maintaining their interrelationship by maintaining their own ratio between their personal speed and direction. Therefore perhaps the third side of our triangle, the observation, is initial and constant too, as it would need to be constant due to the interrelationship, and while observation itself is not ongoing per se between our two traveling sexes, or points, its consciousness shared at the initial point of travel is its provided constant, and since this ratio is always fixed, and because we can have triangles with any corollary sets of perspectives or angles, and as all triangles must have an origin, due to the simple fact that two random points will never have the same corollary perspectives for the ability to maintain their velocities towards a continuity of perfection, as is required in our three-angle, the origin is always on a point of a circle. The reasoning for this is, to provide the constant of observation, while simultaneously providing the maximum choice, to our corollary sexes, and thus ensuring their constant perspective towards each other, and thus everything they participate in. Well, since they have choice and work and observation to complete the triangle is constant, that is it cannot be changed due to the onset of perspectives from origin. Well to create a triangle would then require three simultaneous and corollary angles, this is the sets of, theta, phi, phi, theta, observation, where interestingly, as observation is constant, and choice exists to create triangle, but not the individual angles, except that they maintain the ratio, as our only requirement, again and always, due to our initial choice to create and provide for our creation to be functional in freedom as it is part of our consciousness, which of course we enjoy. So the triangle and instantaneous, therefore its origin comes from the same consciousness, and as observation is a constant, the triangle is surrounded on all sides, and because of the ratio of the triangle, as it exists on three axes of creation and observation simultaneously, thus freeing is up as in being provided for with energy, it travels, has traveled, and will continue to travel with its constant velocity and perspective, and so, with all these possibilities, our points of origin, become infinite, again because of the choice and energy. So at origin, in all aspects, that is points in space-time, and in fact the everything of all of everything origin, as we are aware. Having all the energy is minimum freedom, as it is stored, and therefore there is no allowance for work to be provided, and in fact no need, because there is no yet ratio between choice and freedom, as no choice has been made, and it exists in a non-state only. So our triangles are simultaneous, again as stated, they are created at origin, and because we are aware of an infinite corollary, optional triangles, that is to say we can have a triangle with any set of corollary angles, so long as it has three sides, that is the ratio. Well, the ratio happens to be 180, and because there are infinite bearings of perspectives, there are an infinite number of triangles, all at origin on three points, again because of the ratio ratio ratio, I said it. And so our circle exists with an infinite possibility of travel, or the velocity as the ratio of choice and freedom. 
and due to this corollary perspective to each other and origin, the exchange of choice and freedom within this correlation and towards and about origin, are maintained to provide for the sexes, and about this perspective, as the consciousness which is the instantaneous and initial everything, as now we have have infinite possibilities of corollaries. Since choice exists, as stated, as pure and infinite, then even to create our triangles, we maintain infinite choice, because choice exists at origin. That is to say that instantaneously and for infinity, we have, an observation of all perspectives, in their perfect and corollary velocities. To wrap it up, origin retains choice, and as well bestows it as an entirety, towards a continuum of continuity of choice. So is bestowed and retained, our choice, at origin of an infinite number of plot table points, as enforced infinity. When I say our, I really mean the correlation of the sexes with to maintain the ratio of observation from origin, that is, theta, phi, phi, theta, o, that is our collective choice, which using the above data set, provides for the constant choice of origin to be incorporated into the continuity of the velocities our sexes to maintain origins absolutely of choice, for the benefit of all three. That is to say, there exists within your choice and freedom, to optimize yourself by staying true to your relationships of whichever one of, theta, phi, phi, theta, o, you happen to, be at any point. Because of this relationship, and empathy as in our nature of corollary perspective, we feel as each other, and while maintaining our choice, origin feels everything. So does origin feel perfectly? And what is emotion and their corollaries to a circle? And must they all exist? Well, remember our corollaries and velocities of our paired sexes? Well their deviations and their ability to maintain constant velocity, adjusts their bodily shapes, from origin, so that because they were changing choice or freedom, they alter their shape, and this shape, or more specifically, the incongruity of the correlation of shapes. Hence unpaired deviation from our ratio at origin, is thus while altering a relationship, well it's time to be humble. That is the observation of origin is perhaps a heady discourse for assumption, but the facts that we feel, is indicative of our nature towards each other and for the benefit of, and that simplicity frees us up incredibly, so that we don't have to think about our choice? See. Wrapping up, pious probability, describes the above, so that our participation is very likable and likely to become a reality which is maintained for the love of relationships, and three is not a crowd. Dot. The above and in and about the all the time sectionaries of couches to be plushed and sweeted in this whimsical, inclined to recline gently, as imaginary imagine luminous and jesterly in the justified portion allotted to the a lot of us, this is the mode which is the on all the time as in the mailbox on the corner where you let your letters flow into a nation of eager recipients, and thus, do so and write a letter, to your form of words and verse as in our paths towards being, simple and as requited, then sign and mail to the above address, and find our polar bear Santa as in Father Christmas, and his bowl of jelly for you to laugh in, and so be naughty and nice, and you will find your ordered list of presents, for the fair trade use of milk and cookies. This is AquaQC3W. What do renewable and non-renewable have in common? Both renewable and non-renewable 
consume from a perspective, and justly that perspective organizes the renewability. Take oxygen, say from a plant, and while the plant is by its definition eco-friendly, and provides to the means in which its material wealth permits it to live, and just for the inhabitants for and in like and in such corollary need, as in the atmospheric balances which participants of its available transport utilize during rest and travel, if you just take that oxygen and feed it into a gas machine to compress it perhaps and ship it to a hospital, then you've offset that generosity and placed a key tumbler set of obstacles between the renew portion and the usability portion, and thus the even and redistributable parts of the equations which occur as natural. When this occurs in a non-cycle, that is something which neither collected, nor returned into a system of ongoing process, as in our precipitation, which while a long heady process, is spread across the planet and provides additional wealth such as transport and cleansing of an essential life ingredient. As well being part of a communication, of itself and thus life, and etc. A non-renewable is when no care is given towards the thinking of, what happens to the provider of this energy, and thus to us and all the tumbles we've taken it from and towards. And while this ending is known immediately, it can be ignored when an apt belief exists that is as part of this larger system. Of course we know that burning things is not renewable, in that the material is in a poof which is gone and the planet takes care of the cleanup, at a loss, yet in the case of wood, which is natural, at least nutrients can be redistributed, should nutrients be required as naturally to quickly restore a forest's equilibrium. In the cases, and cases of oil, there is no need on this planet to restore a balance of oil taken from deep underground, and while even if and perhaps the oil is enjoyed by the planet as underground, once burnt into a muck and spread across further muck, and poisoning each part of nature which comes in contact with it, its readily available literal drugs of information, should be enough to have abandoned the idea of oil as fuel at onset and utilized it simply for lubrication or viscous traveling, for as those requirements of renewability would be in a looped system, you can't lubricate or travel on a substance which bleeds away at its very use. Dot. To back to commonality, this perception is where we, as humans, are the offset, in our belief alone, and actions taken either by shrouding, or dissemination of concepts and information which inflate one aspect of an energy, over its utilization for an immediate return, quite literally to and of itself and whose dependence mimic a non-system of non-return. I call it a non-system, because it cannot be looped. Where that is a multinational corporation buys in excess, then sells at a profit, and spends the proceeds influencing further its own complexity and wieldment in cash dollars, which BTW are not renewable if they were collected and split amongst entities with this unnatural ability. Briefly, this impact as observed, wastes time, but as to commonality, it is observed as in nature, and so that is our second commonality, observance, and perhaps an inkling, no pun intended as to an idea of how and what must we throw into the sets of equations to balance the equation, however often out of favoring of those in charge of the collection of fence, as they themselves are in control and a controlling factor. To say that's a good idea, is to ignore the precept that the design and equations are completely ludicrous and the immediacy of knowledge is so plain as to not warrant the pen's production and transport in any first place. Dot. Commonality as common, is perhaps our third, 
as air and water and the sun, one can look around and see, hey that's some bits of that there. And as time progresses and digresses, one may see a non-renewable as common, and common also in the sense that it is pedestrian in the way imagined. Dot. So that consumption, observable towards and for our abilities to do so, and relatable as common, seem to be our triad today, of, again, common, and that is our loop for this discussion. Peace plus all the eat is from slash sentence co slash. Why should we go for use of renewable sources? Renewable as natural and evident. Take travel. Well you'd need to travel to obtain a fuel which is not renewable, and to use that very fuel to travel to obtain it, is the sorts and systemic failure which is downright and immediate, as in karma. The belief that somebody else will do it, is only valid for as long as you can provide a means for them to do so, and so you may believe your dollar at the tank does thus justice, and it does not at all, because the station also uses fuel and pays dollars to get fuel to you, and everybody is spending at every crinkle-cut aspect, with the furthering of belief and, as dollars spread they no longer participate in the return designed by your idea of this equitable solventeer problem of obtaining, and is utilized by other people's ongoing beliefs, for whatever immediacy they require. The breakdown here should be evident. Renewable sources are when nature cares enough, as nature does. Naturally, to participate, with us into an always workable system, as in how light and in extremes, these systems of chemistry and physics work themselves towards and within about transference, with a locale and a sort of membrane of memory to satisfy itself to continue on with the work, and in fact to provide such a system where the work is inescapable, that is, in a vacuum system or in lengthier overtime processes in which depend on their natural abilities to be survivable. Dot. How do energy companies charge you? On average, as they are charged by providers to them, and their material costs are measured and their measurements across their own meters indicate which portions demand more attention, and they meter and tally remote locations, and then proceed to prepill for utilization, and over time, and whatever they are allowed to do by law and market participation. I believe there are a lot of spreadsheets, and old Fortran code, and systems with large plastic keys that are sticky, in a room which is kept clean and cool. There are also smart meters now, which while introducing their own hazards and accompanying loss of money in lawsuits and etc., provide for a fluidity of market control over buys and sells, which likely increases the profitability of the company, but also provides for end users to further control their consumption, and so this tug of rope is a bit like that, where one can buy less for a higher per cap price model, and those models are in turn generated by utilization estimation and availability, which in turn provides for the provides for, in our case what efforts go into a specific form of production. In the states, energy is considered utility and thus is regulated by the puke, for price in this case, which also likely defines goals and incentives to and about the company, its providers, and its end users. In the end, it's debited from your banking institution, or trucked to you by a local mail carrier, in an envelope, which is printed just and about you and is very colorful, yet printed with soy materials, and very legible and may include coupons at certain times of the year. And you also may only open it to glance and forget about all those things you have turned on in your house at this very moment, 
Whereas loose of light bugs enjoy their entire lives on a trillionth of the light energy that you perhaps left on in the next room overnight because the switch is too far away and now you've become accustomed to the dim LED, which you bought to save energy. Grin. Is a machine technically alive if it can respond and adapt to its environment and maintain self-preservation? I believe reproduction is a requirement of livability, as to be reciprocal in its environment to provide for it to continue carrying itself and others on. A machine, by, that is next to, nature, is not alive, as even if it were made to replicate, it would do so at a continuing loss per generation, that is to say it cannot generate, the power or the inclination to do so. And so, it breaks down, when it is not maintained by something else which is alive, and while being alive things may enjoy ensuring it doesn't break down, it will break, and they only fix it towards their continued enjoyment or dependence on the machine, and as the machine cannot return any life's essence towards its benefactor, is also is thus not adaptable and cannot preserve itself, if indeed it has a self, as it's not aware and hence its initial design, to be tasked as a set of cogs in the imagination of a tinkerer in his concept of finite design. Dot. In the end, there is no technical for alive. You are alive. It, is not, hence again and now the recursion of finite immortality. Dot. Peace plus all the eat seaters from AquaQ Labs, a subtext. How can developing countries reduce greenhouse gases? specifically to note what is returnable to their processes of utilization towards creation and maintenance of their systems of generate generosity and utilization, taking care not to be immediate in the adoption of foreign concepts of wealth before it is needed, that is a society filled with televisions may notice they neither enjoy the tether of information into their brains, nor the plastics and behaviors of countries who produce for their profits at the offsetting of another planetary land. They may also participate in larger countries' carbon offsetting initiatives, wherein likely they could get new usable infrastructure which adheres in naturality and provides some local ecosystemic benefit, such as cleaning the water as energy is utilized. Careful non-use of chemicals, as they leach into the water table, and skies, are cost plus. Locally grown vegetation, and a non-meat sustaining population is also a benefit. Efforts to be effortless in involvement with participation in nature's own processes, and to do so in an enjoyment, which contagion is the power of thinking, or in our cases here, the non-obligatory thoughts which are clogging the airwaves as problems, or literally the trillions of the same problem, which was not solved and continues to be abused. By problem I mean plural, but taken one at a time, these compound, and are instigators in further unlikened activities. A. Why do common materials all have quite similar densities? I'm supposing an elemental range, such as a visible spectrum range, where we utilize what we can see and what we can touch, pick up, and perhaps utilize. So we have a rock, a side of a mountain, and wood on the forest floor, and go slightly above and slightly below the surface, and you find your visibility, that is things which reflect light we can see, and even water though not material, transmits light so that we can still further see materials. Dot. There is also included, a temperature range, which is also variance on visible spectrum, as well as material absorption of heat, and so things on the surface when the sun applies itself, 
are temperate to life's perception of survivability. Sands of course are friend, water, which loses its transmittance of light, and as well stops providing a temperate climate to be observed. Dot. So to answer your question, is it precisely because we are here, and around and built as natural amongst this very habitat, which produces the similarities, as indicative to the process's ability to slight offset things to adjust them back to equilibrium goods and services of the planet. This is our ecosystem, and heavy lifting is not required, but a continuum range of motion towards and about a return towards another which can provide for the system in any adaptive way which is required during even the transference of available materials from one to the next, as in the seasons. Dot. This has been AquaQ Labs, a subtext. So just prior we've heard part 2 of Quorum, answers to Quora.com questionary for the benefit of mankind, and previous to that, freedom, in as our ratios relationship to provide the us, as in the all of everything and about the joys in perpetuity and now energetic twisteries, this is AquaQ. The story of our energetic twisteries of all. Dot. Qsat. On a Thursday, no less, is more. Day became night as was the middle ground of the evening and carried on, as he was in normality, his brain jiggled just with the bits of telephonery which was perhaps a call yet to be answered. And so it rang. Ring. The switchboard was dusty in a corner part of town in which the operator sat near plugs and near disrepair for the facts of conversations on blocks which hummed alongside each other from house to house and with the banks of women who managed our heavenly connection towards and about each other and for the days past and nights set to come, and even the idling where young women spun loose a cord of wire on their beds, to dream of being old to be young again, and to spend the nights about it all and dance and find their love and art and all the while draw from dreams we shared, and share through voice on this these copper metals, found not so long ago in the fires of community minerals, worn gently as gifts and for the art of it all, she spoke, as in the bicycle she stowed for her remembrance of childhood, and the promise of her perpetual remainder in the pursuit of such a skill to ride. It wasn't all in the letter, it was more in his character, you know, his language, as in well-versed and, well, how's things picking up for you? Slash slash. Miranda sat with her notebook, open to page 11, with our friends the EGS pondering away at her now poetry as she stammered for a continuation of the verse. Her television was on pause, taped earlier, and frozen and still life was the static jumps of the magnetic heads which bore efforts to grip around taped heads with a taut calibration which was the expectation of motion. She picked up the phone and dialed by stored memory. CHLLNK. Q's hand reached over to dim the light and picked up the receiver, and answered in his usual way, which was not to speak but just listen. Miranda by way of her nature chose to make calls in the same fashion, fashion after the idea that an operator would introduce them to her. She waited and they both sat, with silent electric slit from edgy retrospect. Well you could at least. Hello freedom. I imagined it was you. Good thinking using land. It's all up in the air these days, eh? She grinned, and see. By the bay, still in and about, are we? 
up for anything or am I still taking notes? Well how are the little guys? Still taking up poetry? Got a bit of life on the marginal edge of justified rule, eh? They are sleeping. I think the theater blew their mind or something. I think we went overboard, as in overshot the ark, eh? I think they'll be alright, but they're on my mind. You know how that works she thought about Geneva, and picked up a cookie. Q thought about the EGS and imagined them tucked into their paper beds, shielded by the pulpy puppets of their own artistry and fractal dynamics. They ran on whatever cycle was available, as in a sine wave, but Miranda noted how well they adapted to her cadence of rest and dark emotion. It was their nature to survive, and even though she worried about their well-being, she didn't want to run them unnecessarily, and so they rested on that desire. Miranda too had adjusted, in part because of the year-long project to get these guys, and moreover for the needs of the immediate, as now adaptation had introduced her to paths not yet traveled. She clicked on the stereo and hung with Q, on the curved wire which doubled in length as they found each other in the middle of their circle, at once and more. Is it me? Came the silence in electrics. Grappling. Whenever you pick up this phone it rings in my head. Music blade? Characters typed the teletype from a history of the copper, wired up as a memory. What is it you want me to say? Is it what you want? Is that us? How are we, still? From side to side, together and left, apart or in our mind's eye, frayed in sunshine like the iris of triangles you wrote me about today? He glanced around as if to ask somebody else, and they looked, as they always do and he looked back to find her, while she turned simultaneously towards and away him and on and around they searched for the bit to find each other, quite literally that bit which is always on and on and about origin. So she spoke, you know you're not allowed to do that to me, I mean you are, but, you know, I can't handle the correlation with this many people on the wire. How can we think or know anything about anything if the line gets hijacked as in those lunatics with the chemicals to seep around the glassier parts of our eyes? Silence. Well I say silence, there was an actual amount of incredible silence on the line, that is the natural background of the universe, with the only solid connection at the end points of our defunct pack bell. Put that aside was her voice. The background is just like the film we watched. It changes to match the foreground, and if you stare into it, it'll change the foreground too, you know that. You're writing in both dimensions he worried for a second. Well that hurts, he tried to grin, as in a cycle, and exactly 11 times 22 plus 20, that's middle C. I've been studying about circles. They've got me spinning, and not in the predictable benefit of ways, you know. I'm hungry, Miranda blurted. Of all the things. Well materially speaking, my gut feel is a little overloaded on chocolate. Here let me put you on hold. She put the receiver onto her speaker and it played some light dance techno from the 90s into Q's ear. He got up and walked around too, with the telephone to his ear, and his eyes around and about the place, as he was out of it a bit, and out of time, and his desire to continue to create was impeded like this copper wire with more than enough electricity to keep the circuit, but near an activity of voice towards either side to promote wellness, in their personal maths of disruptive not disruption, as in to say their continuity was. Well it was reason that a focus on nothing in particular had led him and others in and around and off their rockers. 
rocked the light switched on on the wall where more copper climbed into and around the concrete, thoughts of foundation, as in the series. And he surged. And he hurt. And he jabbed away at keys to his mind, because he couldn't find rest. And rest is not what he desired, and so they reasoned he wouldn't find it, and they tried with him to find it for him, but what was it? They knew. Did he? Well, that's impossible she got back on the line. We're out of chocolate. I mean. She stammered. Q. She waited. I know you're writing this down. What should I say? Do you know the core? She paused. You were doing it again. We was. He was jabbing at his mind to find her words in spatial time, without listening. So used to the chaos now, that he once enjoyed to power over with a spark which lit up the party line. You can't keep on this way her voice was slow, there's too much stuff, the material. The light. It's randomized, and you know what that means. And by that no you're going to pause and tell me about it, if that will make you feel better. And you know it might. Q gently recovered for a second, and began again. The narrative turned for Q to speak, and he did, in his usual way, and that was unusual. The meter. It's sticking the verses together. Like. The cadences are off. The lights run and they just change intensity and the sensory spectrum was hitting at random pockets and between edges of what should be thought was body, and an idea was an appendage of an action, and so on. There was both overlap and underlap, and a body at rest that was not restful or resting, as in that API where you're not supposed to do the work. You were too focused on that quadrant, she poked at her cranium as if he could see her. You know that's the overflow from these bits. She flashed her breasts into a mirror in her room and smiled, adjusted herself, and straightened her jacket she was wearing. It's not going to go anywhere, unless you can plug the leak. The light translated to frequencies of urgency in her. I mean his, I mean. Well their voice. Maybe some rest, you know. I mean. Let me look something up. I'll put on some history and it'll be fine for a moment. Do you want the audio? I'll do with it. Get on track, and get back to me. Bloodlined lines the hall's walls coveted spaces between sugar smacks, rich and beating from the organs of must, dusted off for the purposes of Oz. Bear with me, ions flow ACDC prickled not but accepted through skin and bone not by will but by law of nature, it is your job to be in the right places. Signal as you might, interfered with keys and levers into a software managery ooze, causing the unknown to be known in an eternity of nothing, while concurrency fails in the simplest of ways, upheld by the redundant systems of man, woman, and child. For the purposes of a just and willing life, shed not, laugh much, sleo the day away that's okay because we're all woke in this time, specially and for good or the necessity of good, as we now know, is given to us by the grace we desired, in the very very first, second, and third places, we wanted it so much that we wanted it more without action, to perish, he'd take anguish away from solitude and unite yourselves in wild mad hatter deckings of cards in your very own garden, in a city known to you. Live that for me, as I will in reciprocality and forward to the next, and back again, weaved like a pearl, perfect is its unperfection, except. 
when measured by its merits of sheen, specular and tactility. Yes this solemn endeavor pairs and marries to a string of pearls, ring around that blessed headstrong wind, which drives us forward, and on to the same again, if it pleases us, in an entirely new way. Space that. A message via space and time sensitivity, yours always and truly, Aqua Q and his accompanying character witness, C3W San Francisco. Article 1, Genie Unflavor, Rushed In, In Rush, Mounted, More, Again. Signaling comes in paired boots on grounded Sikh and dresses, sequestered, language. A sequence genome is like. All the bits at once, not fallen and placed, without looking down or away, only through truth, as in physics shall life begin. He gets a head start, or is he sure? Perhaps she isn't. To describe is to put your pen down. Life, proceeds of a gift from its creator, travels electric chemical from Gumuk, a billion biologies to match a stained dress, you might chatter on the news for a station break. Or word of mouth, there's no accounting for taste. So anyway, that spark, pistoned pleasure, a sort of love of the smattering kind of kind, makes us true. Like a bicycle it never forgets, and rides rides to peak voltages. 23, is no lie, Fibonacci. Like a rose, it fiddles like that bicycle. Genome, in our garden on the eve of, well isn't that a laugh in the branch we took, and the fork, all together. Knock knock. Who's there indeed but little old me, balls to the wall quiet and franticking time to resticulate. Penetrate, of the allowed kind durable. Which came first, indeed takes planning, this. From the beginning, in matter, and facts. Just and a little extra, that's like cereal, life. And we like it. Bread, bread, not red ready, just, and yet more to come. On account of. Then signal, split, once started, O2 carries it forward, no watering this down, it's cellular communication, on stage, in stage, coached, and levined. Step forward, you're on a street corner, just like before, only you feel somebody getting pulled, is your signal, to move into it and stop smoking heat. The weather or not is not your option, your promise is to heat and headiness left no sign behind. Raise a glass if it be your mirror or lens or crystal. Be erect, Rex, the dinosaur taught us to eat, and died in like kind. Had we known, we would have sown more walnuts for brains, and trees to lichen. The ark is a parable, two in kind, and yourself, neither shall lose a one, nor foray into any of the other, and as eaten all shall hear it, from this very bow, bow slightly, Then, The voice of God did not tell you to build the ark, because you were too crazy and locked away to hear it. Or a story might go if you neglected your signals. The one who built the ark, was crazy. But if you heard that part, you ignored the as all eaten all shall hear it from before, as I did. Digress on the ark, signal, okay signal back, it was an ark, not a box, of. Okay reduction of signaling, that is a non-O to O, as per maths, observation, creates a non-folding space to live. Yes life, 
Remember that thing we thought we'd give the world, if daddy said it was okay? Yes the spark. Mikey Langelo and all that. So we're here, in non-folding spaces, with a very carefully ordered observation, which allows us to be truth, to ourselves and the group, which is true, as far as we know, or the part of us that us, with all-inclusive, and the point is. It's all-inclusive, so the non-observation part allows each group to remain true, as per our agreements, which is our actual bodies. You like your bodies, right? Well good, because we, the we, do too. And there is no you, there is only us, and that is how your process and move, and don't try to claim anything other than that which comes through you, as your may chose only to retransmit any origin of our universe, and if you travel in agreement, then we're back to that bicycle, which is, again, erect and sans pain. Now obviously there are mistakes, but hopefully not one to kill any of us, you, or the eyes in between, yet once started, you can only spell or dampen, or try to swirly it out into something larger, which, stop. Pausil effect, as AC on the floor returns at night. And our natural desire to forget the pain, produces an unproduced version of ourselves, as a gestalt of even our mistakes, and hence, it is so important to remain true on that bicycle. And in the end, there is only a beginning to imagine, and that Matian part of imagination, is the animate show which is our observation and exhibition of true. As in straight up and circular simultaneously, and traveling. Where rubber meets the road, if you chose not to wear one, and are carried, not a tire tired. And you wear, but don't wear out, and you move, what moves you, in the end. And with that, our hearts may agree in alignment, and know when that happens, there is nothing left to prove, shall it not be given away, but shared only as a beacon of where to follow, if you're into that sort of bubble sort alphabet singing, but anyway. Too much movement and you will create mad people, as a disease. Sorry. So get up and dance, and let gravity at 9.8 sort it out, just don't jump, start, with a paddle, wagon, red, and rosebud was its name. I moved, to be comfortable, without thought towards my fellow bodies, and that was the start of a crime of the illegal. Light sense, is your license. Show it once, and be known, then know and be pro, and succeed. Peace from the gently villages of the Isle of Man, once, twice, aim thrice more from the labs of AquaQ quite definitely in the center and near and about C3W. Signal, cleanse, and operate this globe of a planet. But to ensure our like kind to like and kind also, and see the language, as we were, as we are, and the continuation of successes lead to the satisfaction of physics, which is the essential part of your equations as noticed and even without, as well the optional portion for us to satisfy the metaphysics which we indicate as ourselves and provide for like equations to satisfy themselves in correlation with nature and its own abilities. And so our conscious and conscience are aptly close and close together, like the centrifugal and centripetal, where one is forward and the other reverse thinking, or specifically observance and how one's memory, or perhaps the very shapes we see and observe in ourselves and others, create an automatic mapping of a pathway which is both our imagined desire and the known ability to do it right, for all parties involved in that particular equation, for that time, 
which is reproduced as it now exists in the universe and in the body and mind parts of every tangent which has touched and it touches, and how it spins or pushes etc. And so, and to wrap up, just how many and how often these simple primitives are repeated and repeatable, and whether that has to do with the numbering involved in people, or how many possibilities of ideas to a terminating resolve, with a carryover energy bit to provide movement and on to the next bit of behavior. Well, you can take it as long as you like, but at the primitive level, we have our digits, and digits of digits, as indicative as we bend, and why we bend. For the reason that to stay while others move, but more to the point, our shapes are made from us and amongst our tiny platforms with which we tangle and tug and pull and push on sets of primitives, like a puppeteer on a stage yet to be acted at in full, and if the show is successful, the primitives become real life, and the motions thus working are played at on the larger screen, and as repeatable as that, multiplied they provide for an even greater superset of such equations to work on this larger scale of the body, and fully utilized or wasted, is how our bodies indicate success, and is known by the earth from near and far and far away and in time, and perhaps calcified into bone for the far away future, although nearer than you think with thick marrow driving our materials forward, the living bone, and well, nutrient inside bone is our strength just as in the earth, from center out, and in actuality is how microwaves work, and from space, by vibrating from within at the very start, which is likely how cosmic our planet reacts to space, and how it is known and heated by our sun and all the other cosmics of cosmetics and cosmistry, and molten iron and impenetrable, protects our frailties from one side of the planet to the other, and our strongest selves utilize the air when is needed, and the ground when is needed, and further the earth and air processes to create and feed life itself. If Frankenstein were alive, his patients may be patient in noting the effects of a slight headache to an immediate electrical drain into the planet, for it to sustain life requires a high above attenuation and thus an origin, as known through specific genetic material which creates the heady mindfulness to begin such a communication and connection at age zero, a continuation of the origins of both life forms, who also maintain this communication, and to create life, in the eyes and minds of this or any doctor is to ignore perhaps the thing he should have done in the first place, and that was to stop looking after the dead, as a means of living, and while discovery of the mechanisms of the dead are an interesting footnote to the anthology of human beings, it has provided a means of a continuation of traveling the body as if it's an atmosphere place to visit with further science and exploitation, and a causal reasoning on the reasoning of death is perhaps a non-participation in the observance of life. And so are hearses role and hospitals fill with the near living, to be nearer to near than far from family, yet further than that to fully alive at all, and that's off the rails a bit for today, and so we reaffirm continuity and affirmation of the successes of organization, while also appreciating the origins of chaos, as is precisely non-observed towards the benefactor of life itself, for as to be known as itself, is to live through self-discovery, and absolutely, and within with that, and some more, this has been a dissertation with the bodies at hand and within a mind's eye to provide in the chemical loose to cleanse perhaps even a murky spirit, with a gesturing and over and undulation of adulation and adjunct travelry of all ties to the lives and its center, and also peripherally, from side to side and sidle up, if you get such a chance, take it and many and again on air sea and land, travel lightly.
peace and love plus the approximation of ordering multitudes sheer absurdity, in the all and around and because of it, this is Aqua Q. And we now conclude this episode This is Radio 11, broadcast on mutinyradio.fm San Francisco, Oakland, Barclay next week we return again at 5pm, and until then, remember to dial around and twist up to 1111. Like Angel. What a beautiful theme song. Welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. Best known as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Ready to go. Sounds good. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you. Let us watch. Carl, what is the movie today? Today we are going to watch Little Miss Marker, 1980. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine, Little Miss Marker 1980. And we like the channel, the Julie Andrews Archive. Ooh, hey, no spoilers, but is Julie Andrews in this movie? Well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, yeah, Mary Poppins is a co-star. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm subscribing to this channel. I am interested in your business, okay. Julie Andrews Archive. Okay, so we want you to go ahead and, just like Carl said, go find a little bit marker, 1980, Julie Andrews, Walter Matthau is the title. Click the link, courtesy of the Julie Andrews Archive. Hit pause, move that slider to the left, go to Venmo, donate money to Mutiny Radio at Mutiny Radio, because we do stream our show first on Mutiny Radio every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Yes. And we do a countdown, and when the countdown goes, we want you to play with us. And we're very honored to have Paul Brumbaugh, uh, 
This is Christine from the Edge of Insanity podcast show, which is uh, broadcast right before us on Sundays. Oh, Christine, great to have you guys on the show. It's great to be here once again with you guys. It's really good. Um, I hope you guys are all doing. Yeah, could be better, but I think we're doing all right. Uh, well, we hope everyone else is doing all right. Paul, can you do the honors and uh, kick off the countdown? All right, you guys step back in that time machine in 1980, and you know the drill. Put your finger right over that triangle, and let's do the thing. In three, two, one, go. All right, math out me, baby. I'm going to say Orion. Oh, no. Sorry. Universal. Because those letters must tower over the earth. Putting the shadow. Makes a shadow. Hey, what's up with that lamp hating the Pixar eye? Oh, it's pissing me off. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Oh, this is an old-timey movie? Oh, they got some cool little intro. I was going to say, this cost them top dollar, right? Yeah, this, uh, well, yeah, it must be a collectible or something. They have a little tin car. By the way, I hope you guys are watching the movie with us and not just listening to the podcast. It's only half the experience. It would be like a Tony Curtis movie without Bob Newhart. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Me both. And Lee Grant. Brian Dennehy. Well, this is a top-notch uh, cast. I don't mind just watching the opening credits over and over. That was uh, music by Henry Mancini. <gasps> the Pink Panther himself. That's right, Mr. Dun, dun, Gun Theme. Yeah, right. I'm sure he must have coasted on that. He was like, hey, I got a theme song for you. It goes, uh, blip, 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 blip. Uh, it's called Goon River. You'll love it. Nothing yeah, to do with my previous Goon River, which we all know from the famous movie, Mr. Accident. <laughs> oh, that's like their motif. And don't forget the trail of the Pink Panther had that song. That was a great one. It's like Edward's movie. Have you ever read uh, Damon uh, Runman, whose story this movie is based on? Right. I haven't. There were four movies based on that exact story. I can name you the Bob Hope one. There is I've seen the Bob Hope one. Yeah. It's him and Lucille Ball. It's called uh, Sorrowful, Sor- Sorrowful Jones. He's like, well, kid, I'll tell you. Uh, you're a little Miss Marker. Uh, what's up with these hippies? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you. And Brooke Shields and the Dave uh, Packers. It was, it was always like Brooke Shields and the specials. Now here comes Tony 14. Curtis out of the call and one of the out of the car and one of the movies, the nineteen sixty two movie about this uh, story, he was Sourful Jones. Interesting. So this this the first one, the first movie, it was a Shirley Temple movie, right? Yes, and it launched her career. Really? That was does she sing and dance in that movie or is it like played for you know? I would doubt there. I did not see the movie. Uh, that was 1920, 1934. It launched her movie career. And uh, her character's name was Martha Jane, and they called her Marky for short. She was a marker. Oh, right. So the story is that someone has a gambling debt, leaves his little daughter for collateral, and never picks her up. 
and never picks her up. That's right. Now, here you see Tony Curtis. He's blackie. And we have Brian Dennehy as the thug. And they're looking I never sourful. Sourful Jones. It's interesting that the star of the – I don't know. So if Shirley Temple wasn't a star, I would still think the original movie was – she was the star, right? It was Her name is the title. She's Little Miss Marker. Right. And then in Sourful Jones, it's about Bob Hope. It's Sourful Jones. Right. But this version, it's – you know what a good Shirley Temple remake would be? Let's add Walter Matthau. <laughs> needs more Matthau. Well, the internet claims this, this is one is closest to the true story. Oh. So right now, Walter was making Blackie wait, and he's like chewing out some guy. I'm not going to, you know, let you off. You know, I didn't tell you to bet the rent money, and we find out that it's this old lady. Oh. Oh, thank God. So, gangsters gives that money. Yeah, Blackie gives the rent money, and she bets it on a horse. Yeah, well, you know, it's a problem. Bob could say no. Look at Tony Curtis putting his feet on the desk. So rude, Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis. He's here to take $50,000 for Walter Matthau to invest in a gambling casino, an illegal gambling casino. And Walter Matthau is like making quips. Get lost. I never liked you when you were a kid, Blackie, and you know better as an adult. He's playing a, a grumpy old man in this movie? Isn't that a stretch? Yeah. Who's taller, Tony or Matthau? Who's Matthau? This, this movie is a period movie, right? Well, you know, I was going to say, Carl, this is the only time I heard of a, a remake of a Shirley Temple movie, right? I mean, I don't, I've never seen a remake of Good Ship Lollipop. No, no, absolutely not. And and also, um, there was a remake, uh, Animal Crackers, but it was Animal Crackers in My Poop. Tell me more. Well, if you eat Animal Crackers, you know, if, I mean, you've been there. Oh, yeah, especially those giraffes. <laughs> hey, brother, say no more. They're a bitch to get out. Yeah, they... It's a long neck. So, um, Bob Newhart, his name is Regret in the movie. And he's like, whatever Blackie wants, give it to him. He, he's a killer. His name is Regret, and his name is Sorrowful. Yeah. And now we meet the kid. We never learn her name. It's the kid. Huh. I think I bought some salt, iodized salt from her once. Spilling it all over the place. Yeah. No, I bought shoes from her. They just heard a gunshot, and they're off to investigate. And look what Blackie did. He shot the dog? Oh, yeah. can we check? All right, I'm going to go check. Does the dog die while we talk? You know that website? Yeah, but look at him. He's clearly dead. See you well, later, I'm going to get it. Does <laughs> the dog die? Huh. Web page not available. Well, that what? says everything about my internet for the quarantine so now he's realizing he's gonna have to cough up the 50 bucks and be an investor in this gambling casino or blackie's gonna rub him out or kill the cat 
Does the dog die? All right. Does the dog die? Get the app. Continue using web. All right, folks, this is going to be a couple minutes. Unity Radio uh, Internet slow today. We blame Bam Benjamin. <laughs> Damn Benjamin. So now a miracle happens. This mean old gruff sourful says, all right, give him a saw buck and keep the kid. And they're like, what? A saw buck is what? Well, he's asking for $10. I think a saw buck is $5. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. I think it was like 10 bucks or something. And uh, wow, that's pretty crazy. Okay, so I see little Miss Sunshine. It's been a long time since I saw a buck. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Little Miss Marker. Does the dog die? Is Bob Newhart good in this movie? Bob Newhart is just very bland. He just plays his role. He doesn't really make you laugh. Same thing with Brian Dennehy. Uh, Brian Dennehy's talents are lost in this film. He just plays a thug. He looks mean. I mean, I'm sure he's happy to be working, but this role was, you know, he's a great actor. And it's not his fault. It's the script that he's doing his part. So it says yes. The dog does die, according to doesthedogdie.com. Well, we saw him dead. They're all saying he's dead. You just love to run to that site, which I understand. It's not online. It didn't exist, okay? Okay, now. That's like your... your, A newsstand here. And these are all authentic uh, 1930s magazines. They pay $2,500. Wow. Well, that's why I went to see this in the theater. I wanted to get my money's worth. <laughs> and you did. That's a Yale review for 1934? Get that's, the fuck out of here. These are original. Yes, these are actual. Except for, the, except for Spider-Man, Superman number one, it was like hand-drawn. Like, we don't have the budget for action comics. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, there is an anachronism in here. Um, there is a Vogue. Current magazine? No, we see a Vogue on the stands, and I don't know why. Okay. It might might have been in Vogue back then. No, no, no. The internet says that was an anachronism, and I saw it just as it cut away. Um, Did Damon run in for the uh, Saturday Evening Post? I don't think... I didn't look him up. Uh, I know he's the author, but I, I didn't look him up. Now, the whole thing was Bob Newhart was like, she can stay at my place. They don't let kids. They don't let women. So he's <laughs> dumped her on Sourful. Oh, no. Where's your caretaker? No regrets. I got no regrets. So Sourful Seriously, regret left. Bam. Yeah, this is the we watched this last week. This was posted by Yahoo Movies as a trailer. And it's just this modern little piece of shit. I don't think people in the thirties dress that way. Like if you could only afford a hot plate, I don't think you can afford a vest and a tie. Sorry. 
Well, they make a joke out of it. He only has one suit. He always wears the one suit. And then later in the movie, he gets a new suit, and everybody's all freaked out. Right. Powerful. Uh, you know, you should never uh, perform with children and animals. They both shit on the floor. It gets everywhere. Second shit joke. The show. <laughs> it's a good show, Carl. I already feel it. <laughs> We're on our way. On our way. Now, what the director does in this scene, or the writer, who it's he, it's the same guy. He's a famous writer. This is the only thing he ever directed. As a matter of fact, he said to the studio, if you want my script, I must be the director. And they said, damn it. Okay. <laughs> so what the director's doing in this scene is very, very slowly cr breaking away at the, the mean old crust of Walter Matthau, because she's all cute. She's just asking, may I please have a donut? You know, like, he keeps on denying her and then saying, oh, all right. You know, he softens every line. He gets softer. She's cute. She doesn't look anything like Shirley Temple. Yeah, they must have cast against type. Try to look for a Moppet with brunette hair. Well, they how curly is your hair? They did curly. You're not hired. Exhaustive search. I don't think they were looking for Shirley Temple. You're mentioning the curls, and you're right. Um, they had a, a a casting call for six year old girl, and it was in Dallas, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Like for instance, in New York, ninety six people showed up. So after they did all of these casting calls nine girls were chosen they were flown to los angeles uh they did scenes with walter Matthau. they were interviewed by walter bernstein the writer director got picked there and then they said we were just kidding this isn't for uh, uh annie <laughs> by the way this <laughs> is her only acting credit ever she did this film and then she went away Probably had a real life after this movie. Right, I'm sure. You see product yeah. for cornflakes? I know, it's so shameless. And that's McGee's milk delivery service. Just <laughs> shameless. Ah, McGee's. Yes. That's the milk delivery service for me, Walter Matthau. Carl, did you know I, Walter Matthau and I have the same birthday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mike. Uh, you and Mike uh, Walter Matthau share the same birthday, October 1, 1919. 1919. 1919? Yeah, we turned 100 last year. Great. Congratulations, Mike. Yeah. You're in great health. And guess what? Julie Andrews what? also shares your birthday, October 1. You kidding me? The co-star of this movie also shares my birthday, October 1, 1935. Yeah. I don't know what the year. I don't know the year. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. What was the story about Julie Andrews? She had surgery on her throat and they screwed up and she can't sing now? I don't know that story. Um, when I looked her up, there was lots of stuff about her life. I just focused on the the movies we know. I mean... She was big in the theater, and then she got 
her film debut, Mary Poppins. She won an Academy Award. And then she moved on to the next year to be in The Sound of Silence and won a Golden Globe. That's it. She had written her career. She could be in anything she wanted. The Sound of Music, you mean, right? Yeah, what did I say? Sound of Silence. Oh, right. <laughs> so stupid. It's because I have an old man brain. That's right. The Sound of Music. Yeah, of course. Five. Well, you know, well, we also both watch The Sound of Music on mute, so, you know, it makes sense. I just read the subtitles. It's the most charming movie. I don't know what the big deal is. So um, she was You're, a big star, like, in the 60s and 70s, and then she kind of went away for a while, but she came back in Shrek, The Princess Diaries, Despicable Me. Yeah, Princess Diaries. Well, she uh, this, she was married to Blake Edwards, uh, who of course directed Moon uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's that we just mentioned. Yeah. And if you ever see SMB and That's Life, she shows up in those movies. She showed up in a lot of her husband's movies. And uh, yeah, I think the story went is that she got surgery and they screwed up her vocal cords or something like that, and that's she's kind of semi-retired after that. So she's not really belting out numbers, but you know she's yeah. doing voice work here and there. And, I do think Princess Diaries probably gave her a boost to another generation. Like, that's probably how another generation knows her. Right, and she had a sequel in that. And, of course, I mean, in Shrek and in Despicable Me, it was just her voice, but she also had sequels for those. So she had some success. Oh, really? So we're having hilarious. You know, I never... There was um, messing yeah, she... around with her dress, get, trying to get it off. Now he's in her uh, – she is in his bed. Come on, beat it. You sure that's not Murphy's bed? That's Murphy's bed, not yours. There's plenty of room. And then he says, wait a minute, I'm getting shaken down. This is a shakedown. That's adorable. She's only six years old, Walter. That's why it's adorable. Just just confirming myself. Aha! Did they shoot this one? Nobody's there. Did they? They must have borrowed the set of the odd couple for this. <laughs> we just need the apartment. Get the Murphy bed. The odd couple was ancient history to him uh, at this point. That That's the movie that made him. Well, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, the TV show, with which he wasn't in, the original one, that, that lasted until the early 80s, right? I mean, it was a 70s staple for certain. Which TV show? I, I think it has to be yeah, a couple. The one with uh, Tony oh, Randall Tony and... Uh, I mean, um, yeah, Tony... Randall. Randall, right. Jack Clutton, Quincy, M.E. That was a good show, uh, you know. I don't know. It's always depressing. It's like, what are you doing, Quincy? He's like, play with a dead body. Want to watch? Like, yeah. Quincy was a good show. No, I'm an odd couple. Quincy was a horrible show. It was a star vehicle. They were like, okay, it's you. We'll do it. It was a sucky show. Oh, you get the fuck. Do you ever see the punk rock episode? That has to be on YouTube. <laughs> we did that for Bad Movie Night. We actually did a uh, friend when we did Bad Movie Night years ago. We did a television night, which isn't as fun because television is intentionally bad and they want you yeah. to bad mouth it. So you keep watching it. You know, it's a difference if you go to a movie and the movie flat out sucks or you say, I'm going to sit and watch this movie and it sucks. You get kind of pissed off, right? Yeah. TV doesn't give a shit. No. And so you- we watched the. Yeah. 
So we watched the Quincy episode where Quincy was not in the episode. It was like his buddy calling Quincy the entire time. It was pretty cool. <laughs> really? Yeah, Pugman didn't show up to work that day. Where's my patch? I'm walking out now. Okay, so it's the morning and we're having hilarity because he's hurt his back. I like sleeping in chairs myself. It's a creepy way to go. Oh. So now it's Brian Dennehy he, at the door. I, it's, it'll be about to be opened. And he goes, you're a real pain in the ass. You don't have a phone. Why don't you have a phone? And Walter Matthau's because people would call. Yeah, even in the 30s. He's saying, Blackie wants to see you at 2 o'clock to take a ride. One oh, because he wants that money. Um, but Brian Dennehy's talents are not used in this film. Anybody could have played his part. I disagree. He has, he's one of those physical actors that kind of takes up the space, and that's all you really need. You need him to walk like that. You know, and he, but he's he gave so a much reaction. more than that, right? I mean, he's a good actor. He had a good career. 80s was good to Brian Dennehy. He was in all those FX movies. Remember that? He was like a special effects guy who like, tricked the mob. Yeah. Uh-oh. Flipped over the kid. And she goes, that was fun. Mob- Do it again. Never have a Murphy bed with a kid. Who jobs male, female? This must be during that Great Depression. Oh, it was great. Remember that depression? It was great. It was so great. we're having hilarity. She can't keep up with him. Now she's having trouble with the revolving door. It's all funny, yeah. funny, funny. Oh, is he going to pop out again? Because the camera is, yep, yeah. Otherwise, the camera would have cut to something else. Ooh, nice little TV swipe. Where's the kid? He ate the kid. Well, it's like throughout the whole, all of act one, he's going to act like this is, she's a bother. She's just a marker, you know, and uh, he softens every scene to her, you know. Now, he's taking a bet. Now, the thing that's funny to me is that he's the boss of the whole place. And at the same time, though, he hustles and takes bets. And he'll go to a bicycle race and take bets. Like, he's always hustling. If this movie was made now, it would be, like, depressing. It would be, like, this gambling addiction that kind of just ruins the movie. But now it's, like, wacky. Oh, he's got a cat. Oh, shit. Hang on. Let me check. Does the cat die.com? Oh, no, it's not a cat. It's a dog that wants to be a cat. Right. Little dog. You're not a cat. It's good to have little dogs. They're harder to shoot. Like, it's easy with a big dog. It's just aim. Right. This is all authentic uh, like- 1930s stuff, by the way. I like that silver gloves uh, machine, gambling machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess back in 1980, people liked the 30s and wanted to see movies. Like well, that. there was a string of in the 80s. They did all of these like 30s send up gangster movies. Um, I have a list here: uh, Pritzi's Honor, Wise Guys, Harlem Nights. That's an easy one. Yeah, uh, that was 88. Maybe uh, Harlem Nights was 89. Um, 
City okay. Heat was the one with Burt Reynolds and uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody Reynolds. loves Johnny Dangerously. 83. Yeah, I did too. Amy Heckerlin. And in the list, that was one of those Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid by Steve Martin, but I don't really agree. I don't think that was a send-up of gangster movies. Well, it was a send-up of old movies that they repurposed, you know. Right. It was more of a more detective. It was more kind of the film noir, private yes. detective movie. Yes. The gangster. Or Cleaning Woman. Well, Once Upon a Time in America, I think that came out early 80s. That was like a three-and-a-half-hour movie about Jewish gangsters. Yeah, this list is just like jokey joke movies that took place in 1930s gangster. Oh, I got it. So Sourful. Yeah, I guess we. Well, did you ever see Under the Rainbow, which I believe is on the YouTube? We should do that one. Under the Rainbow is that the one with all of the midgets? The Munchkins from The Wizard of Oz. It's 1939, mm-hmm. and uh, the Munchkins are like. Some of them are Nazi sympathizers. Some of them are resistance, I guess. And somehow, like, Chevy Chase gets involved. It was one of those big movies that just nobody had any idea why it got made. Uh-huh. So she drew a picture of Sourful, but the the funny part is it has a smile. Right. She's got the Walter Matthau nose down. It's a yeah. big flat circle. <clears throat> so uh, now we're going to now we're going to Blackie's Gambling Den, which is really owned by Julie Andrews. Uh, her name is Worthington in the film, and um, her her husband died. She's a widow, and she's got no choice but to make this deal if she wants to keep her house. Oh, so yeah, look at that. She's got the card tables all set up. A roulette. Yeah, we're getting the tables together, see? Yep. And the roulette table is fixed. Oh, that's no fun. Oh, he's got a little lever. Well, what? that's the All right, that's that, uh, what Walter Matthau is going to start straightening out. You can't have crooked dice. You can't have a fixed roulette table. The upper crust, no. And they're going to, you know, they'll send you up the river. So Walter right. Matthau is going to invest, but he's also going to boss around and try to make the place run right. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Curtis. She doesn't like him. He didn't. I know. What an actor. What a range. Well, she was chosen out of thousands of girls. Right. So was Annie. So was Curly Sue. <laughs> She's no Curly Sue. Your marker bit me, see? Yeah. Not once of these. Why can't they just drop her off at safe surrender? Right at the, po- at the post office, at the well, fire station? They, they were Bob Newhart was saying, let's take her to the cops. And he Walter Matthau was like, no way, she's a marker, she's worth 10 bucks, right?
Yeah, ten bucks to ten bucks, as Getty Lee once said on the soundtrack to uh, Great White North. Ten bucks is like what? Uh, maybe six? Uh, no, it was probably like a hundred bucks back in the thirties. Yeah, but even that's like you. None of these guys stop and say this is ridiculous. What kind of men are we? Well, the truth is, in the beginning. He's tough, and he's not letting the girl go. Right now, what we're watching, Act 1. But then, he finds out that the father died. And when he does, he pretends that he's holding on to her so that he won't get accused of kidnapping or something. But the truth is, he's starting to like her. And he's softening. So the kid has disappeared. So he's like, you seen a little kid? How high? Girl or boy? I mean, you want me to finger the wrong kid? The joke is there's only one kid, you know. The kid. All right, name me all the movies named The Kid. Uh, well, there was The Kid, and there was that one called The Kid. Um, so you're talking about the Charlie Chaplin, Jackie Coogan movie. Then there was the Disney's... The, there's Disney's The Kid. That's the title of the Bruce Willis movie where he goes back, he meets his uh, childhood version of himself. Oh. Hey, there's Julie Andrews. That's right. It should be archived. And she is on her horse, which is Sir Galahad, which she loves. And he's a horrible racing horse. And, you know, so she Matt just can't see him. it. Oh, so the kid warmed up to Julie Andrews like almost immediately. She's like, you you look like Mary Poppins. I see you every Thanksgiving singing well, on the hills. <laughs> but she lured her with a horse ride. Yeah, what, what little girl's not going to fall for a horse ride? So it's like, yeah, this place can is I see you on some more? Like, come on, kid. Who's going to pay your bills when the doctor, when you fall off the horse? All this stuff. So they're just going to take it back to the stable. And now they're getting to know each other. You know, I'm Blackie's partner, so I'm sort of your partner too. And uh, right. And he's oh, Blake know, told me being tough. Have you ever seen the movie SOB? Like Edwards SOB? I've only it's heard based of it. on a So it's a Hollywood fan, uh, couple who's movie bombs it was like a, a a kid's movie and he says fuck it i'm gonna make it a porn movie i'm gonna make it a hard r movie and they change all the scenes and julie andrews shows her tits in the movie oh but it's based I on a film it. it's a great film it's definitely and uh, patricia arquette's in it like really briefly i think you could see her boobs as well according to playboy she did an interview saying that she's not topless in that film so i might have seen someone else but uh it's based on Blake Edwards made a movie with uh, Julie Andrews. I think it was like Playful Lily or some shit like that. And it was like a kid's movie and it just bombed hard. So it was based on that experience. I remember the big uh, to-do about it. Like Julie Andrews is going to show her boobs and she does it like at the last scene or something. No, no. She does it like in the, in the middle of the movie and she shows them to, and Loretta Swift is like, ah, oh, hi. She defiantly shows him. Oh, and then Robert Preston is like, he's like, oh, oh, oh. All right, I'm putting that in my Netflix queue. 
No, don't even bother. I'll, let me reenact the movie. Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's, ooh. that's Robert Pinkman. Now this is um, a, something that was an era a, from the era, 1920s and 30s. It's called the Six-Day Bicycle Race. Interesting. Now, Isn't writing this? Um, stay awake for six days, but that's what this is. And there's no skate rats on the half pipe. It's amazing. I've never seen a skate park like that. Yeah. Okay, so bicyclists take over it. Coincidentally, Sourful is there, and he's like taking bets. He's like hustling on the side, and then Julie Andrews goes over. That child should be in bed. <laughs> Oh, come on. You can't harass the parents who bring their kids to the racetrack. <laughs> it's jokes like, do you know what time it is? There's a clock right there on the wall. That child should be Matt, in bed. No. He's taking bets. Can he be any less cranky? He's even cr- I take it back. He's not a cranky old man. He's a crankier old man. Grumpier old man. Grumpier. Right, right, right. <laughs> the, the third movie should have been Grumpier Old Men with Guns. And they're packing heat. Yeah. That's not Viagra in my pocket. Huh. Well, I never. I and then you should have never. As if Are they gonna fall in love? Would eat a hot dog. I don't know. I would totally eat a nineteen thirties hot dog. It's probably made out of like yeah. it's authentic from the literally food. <laughs> you say that dog for 50 years old and moldy Tony Curtis is like why is the bread stale well we're trying to be authentic <laughs> I love your Tony Curtis oh yeah that's where you leave your cribs out on the curb okay now Bob uh, Bob is tipping off Walter Matthau that the cops are up there. Brannigan, Brannigan. So. Oh, the old. Yeah, so he's like, take the kid, you know, take the kid and buy her a soda. And he's like, we should turn her into the cops. He's like, take her to the orphanage. She's worth 10 bucks to us. Just take her, you know. And he's going to. Did you know? The cops. He's uncredited, but you can see Oscar the Grouch in that scene. Yeah. His first movie. Now, yeah. This guy, Brannigan, you'd know his face. He's uh, Kenneth McMillan, uh, born in Brooklyn. But he, like, he was in The Taking of the Pelham 123. He was in Dune. Oh, he was a regular on Valerie Harper as the boss. You know his face, right? Yeah, he had, look at those eyebrows. How can I forget? Yeah. He always looks like somebody I you know, but yeah, those eyebrows are amazing. They're like super arched, and this is real eyebrows. It's not a shtick. His debut doesn't even look like Serpico. Oh wow! Uh, what a way! That's a lofty uh, yeah debut. Yeah, I'm trying to think what movie like. Uh, or I, I've seen his face a hundred times, but he has. He looks like Jim Belushi. That's what I'm thinking of, doesn't he? Oh right, I see that. I mean, he's older looking yeah if, if jim belushi ate jim belushi he would probably look like this guy <laughs> ah little jim according to jim i'm full 
Now, he's there to investigate. You know, he lets it be known that the father committed suicide. He lost the horse race and he jumped in the water. Have you seen the little girl? Now he's going to make a joke. Hey, that looks a little bit like you, except it's smiling. Wow, everyone's on it. Now, as you know, it's it's very illegal what Walter Matthau's doing. So he goes in there and he goes, I'll take shoehorn in the fifth. And he goes, we already ran that race. He goes, what do you know? I'm a winner. (laughs) So, you know, it's sort of like a bribe. Um, Yeah, he likes to dip his beak into everything. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There's the face. So I don't know. That kind of looks like Jack Lemmon. Except it's smiling. That's just the horn. That's actually Jack Lemmon in the cameo. Ba-boom. Yeah, he holds himself well, Jack, uh, Walter. I feel like he ran out of movie ideas. Right? I mean, Hopscotch, we watched Hopscotch. We were inspired by this, uh, by Hopscotch to watch another to Walter watch this, yeah. movie. Yeah. Hopscotch is a better film. But it's such a different film. Well, I mean, this movie is pretty maudlin. I mean, it's pretty sentimental and, you know, cutesy and stuff like that. And right. I don't think Hopscotch really cared for that, you know, so. Well, Cop- it, Hopscotch was certainly cute, but it was cute because he was outsmarting them and such. Right, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll read you a bedtime story. Right. Colonel Parker's horse in third. Right, plays. exactly. <laughs> wow, what a horse that second. Watch upon a time of Belmont Stakes. Sea Biscuit tired in the fourth round. You're exactly right. Well, Walter, tell me the story of Sea Biscuit. All right. See, he goes. Well, it was exactly two years ago. He goes, do you like horses? And she goes, I like Black Beauty. And then he starts reading the... Horse raising. Here it is. Let's... And she drifts off to sleep. Uh, she is a... See, when your dad has a... Yeah, it's her dad is a piece of shit. <laughs> Why? Oh, oh, you mean the dad? Oh, well, I thought you meant in real life. <laughs> well, I mean, she never acted again. Maybe her dad was like a genius. Like, yeah, did you have fun? No? All right, let's move on. Well, that is, I don't know anything about it, but I do think probably there was some integrity there. Like, that was fun. What a nice chapter in your life. Now we're moving on with real life. Okay, so now that the father has died, we find out, we're sort of moving into Act 2, in which he's going to sort of be the caretaker. He's taking her to, like, an Army-Navy store, getting her a new dress. Here's opening night at the casino. Aren't she? Wow, look at that backside. Check out those asses. This is a great movie. That's what butts look like in the 1930s. Build me a time machine, because I am there. Yeah. They're looking at the two-way mirror. They know Sourful's watching. Now, Sourful's all yeah. full of chips. The lady in the fourth whatever is putting chips in her brassiere, and such and such is switching fixed dice, and 
He's like doing his bit to protect his investment. And Donahue's like, are you a bonbon? Then I don't give a shit. Unless you're filming Nougat, I don't care. You will sound like chocolate when I like when I get chocolate in the house now. I'm like, fuck you guys. I'm going to eat all the chocolate as fast as I can. <laughs> that's your right as a head of the household. Yeah, that's what I tell everyone. And they say, like, you know, why don't you go take a walk? I heard you were here. Oh, you have a new dress. Let's see it. Wow, she is really no children whose parents leave them as markers. Look at her low-cut top, man. See, he's making busts off of what Walter Matthau pointed out. Now, she said it needs to get hemmed up. It's just too long for her. Yeah. Yeah, she was hemming and hawing. Right. Let me haw your dress. I mean hem. Yeah. Ahem. I don't need two hems. I just need ahem. 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 <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? This, yes, the guy who produced this movie was called Jennings Lang. And while it was getting Genesis, he introduced uh, Walter Bernstein to this guy named Hyman Saul, who happens to be his uncle. But he introduced him because he was like a turf advisor in the 1930s for the horse races in New York. And Weird. The writer, Damon Ruman, Runyon, actually, like, interviewed him, and, you know, he was part oh, of the original book, yeah. I believe his name is Damon Funyon. Funyon. I He's love Funyuns. Oh, have you tried Damon uh, Funyuns? I, They're gritty. Yeah. I, I like hot and spicy Funyuns. I like Damon Funyuns. It's a good product. <laughs> This is all real 1930s stuff. It's Julie Andrews' playroom. She was an only child also. Interesting. And in this scene, he starts to she starts to discover that Sorrowful is sort of like a bullshitter. He's really not as tough as he says, you know. Why did you right. come up here? I don't know. Check on the kid. I shouldn't have come up here. I should have had my head examined. And she's, you know, she starts to see that he likes the girl and he's a real softy for her. And now look, he's got his balloons and she's got hers. Uh, tell me more. <laughs> Do I yeah. look at him? They're poking well, out. You know what? Walter, Walter's like, my eyes are up here. <laughs> Wow, wow she yeah, she looks terrific. Somebody with those nipples. <laughs> Be careful. Boy, that, sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like a episode of Mythbusters, if any. Yeah, right. Got a right, Julie up. Andrews. <laughs> okay, so oh, search for uh, the kid, and her name is Sarah Stimson. But okay, the do, do you remember the Goodbye Girl? Yeah, Marsha Mason. So the Richard Dreyfus, right? 
yeah, the daughter was named Lucy McFadden. Her name was Quinn Cummings, and she was at one point attached to be the kid in this movie. For some reason, she backed out, and they started their talent search. That's better publicity that way. I guess yes. Although, I'm like, don't you want to see Walter Matthau as Shirley Temple's uh, Hello? Wow. So look, a suit costs 15 bucks, right? Right. So that's two thirds. That key is like two thirds of a suit. But look what the guy does, the, the proprietor. Look what he does. He's molesting the mannequin. <laughs> so he can see <laughs> that Walter's thinking about it. Right. <laughs> he goes, what? He goes, $10. Okay, 